right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back. It is officially World Cup month. Anthony, Anthony, oh my gosh, I'm so excited I forgot your name. <laughs> that Andy, is are you excited? A-okay. That is a-okay. I love being referred to as United's right winger. Uh, I'm happy for that. So yeah, this is the most wonderful time of the year because it is World Cup month uh, for 2022. How excited are you, Paul, to get that started? Oh my gosh. It's, it's like Christmas and your birthday all at once over the span of two to three weeks. It's, mm. it's a glorious time. And I hope, I know people don't understand the, the fervor around soccer, but the World Cup, since it comes once every four years, it's like the Olympics, but on like a much more concentrated scale, right? Yes, absolutely. It's the world's most popular sport and it is a competition amongst all all the big names. So you're getting a little bit of culture, you're getting a little bit of travel, uh, seeing all the different players, hearing all the unique names. It's just a, it's a party atmosphere. It's so, yes. it's so fun and it's so interesting. It's happening at this time. We'll, we'll get into it more at a later podcast, but the, there's just all this like drama that's always surrounding a World Cup, which just makes it so, so much fun. Yes. And most of it's on the field, but especially this year. For this year's World Cup, there's a lot of off the field stuff, and like you said, we'll we'll get to that in in a couple weeks when we do our World Cup uh, opening podcast. Um, and Andy, Champions League and Europa League group play came to a close this week. We've got the mm-hmm. draws for uh, the brackets tomorrow. Exciting mm-hmm. stuff. Very exciting stuff, especially for this podcast in particular, because. Uh, how the Champions League works is that if you are a third place team in your group, uh, but you scored a certain amount of points, you will actually be able to play in the Europa League, which is a tier below the Champions League. I like to call it the Champions League because you have the champs <laughs> at the top and then the chumps at the bottom. And, uh, the Europa League is where all the chumps, uh, play. Yes. They're good players, but they're chumps because they're not in the Champions yes. Leagues. Yes, for sure. And what's really interesting is that Barcelona was in the Champions League draw. They came in third place. So they're going to be in the Europa League draw. And guess who else is in there? Manchester United. (laughs) You believe it. So it could be the two biggest chumps facing off in February or March. So very excited to see what happens tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll be we'll be glued to it for sure, and we'll bring that to you guys next week. We will get into everything that that has to offer, matchups, predictions, who we think is going to win, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So we'll we'll get yes. that to you guys for sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I know uh, Paul that Barcelona finished their Champions League uh, Champions League group stage games. So I want to ask you about how Barcelona looked at least going into their next wave of games uh, in the Liga after their last Champions League game for this year. Yeah, I mean, we came out with a edited squad, as I feel like the most PC way of, of putting it is. The the guys who don't normally get a lot of playing time, we saw some youngsters, some, some 18, 19-year-olds, more than just Gavi and Pedri who normally play in the, those roles, but... Um, we also picked up some injuries. Kessier got injured in that game. Um, but Ferran Tor- Toenails became Ferran Torres again, magically somehow ended up getting two goals in one player of the game, got a nice little Champions League consolation, uh, individual trophy for his performance in that game. 
we're playing the Victoria's Secret models, Andy. Uh, mm. There's no two ways about it. Barcelona should should have won more than four two, uh, but they made Victoria Pulzini look respectable, which they shouldn't. Mm. But yeah, yeah. It, it just is kind of a you know a minor sweet taste to a very bitter Champions League group play. So mm. yeah. You know, Ferran Torres made me eat my words a little bit last week. I think he listened to the podcast and said, you know what? I'm going to show those two randos <laughs> in the U.S. I'm going to show them what I'm made of. Yeah. We really hit it with the uh, algorithm there to pop our podcast onto his uh, random playlist on Spotify. Uh, but also Spotify is the uh, official sponsor of Barcelona. So yes. I can – this. This was a really good call uh, for the algorithm that you made, Paul. Really well Thank done because yes. this is really what we're trying to do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, sweet taste to a to a bitter bitter group stage. But you know, mm. there's always the Europa League, and that's where we turn our focus to now a little bit. So, mm. but moving yeah. on to to La Liga now for this week. Um, Almeria, uh, so we played yesterday, and shocking news comes out two days before the game, Andy. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, and my jaw hit the floor. And I think the reason I was so shocked is because he still had two years left on his contract. And he was set to make money, and he looked like he didn't want to go anywhere. And, of mm-hmm. course, I'm talking about Gerard Piquet saying he is retiring officially uh, as of yesterday, after yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. And, and PK's what's crazy is PK is a legend of Barcelona. So as an acting legend, still in the team, still kind of the elder statesman of the team, trying to connect that new this new Barcelona with the old Barcelona of uh, legend. You know, losing him has got to is very very shocking. And having it so quickly to say I have a couple games left and that's it, that's pretty jarring. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't even a couple of games left. He's like, I'm done after this one. Like, that's it. Wow. I, I, I'm just curious as to what happened, you know, especially because he was starting to take on a starter's role again because of all the injuries Barcelona's had at the center back position. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to sit there, scratch my head and like try to figure out why, right? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the only thing I can come up with, Andy, is that. <clears throat> He started to play regularly again, and mm-hmm. his body must have just said, "I can't do this anymore." Yeah, and that's that's the only explanation I can come up with. Yeah, I so I've done a little bit of research on PK, as in I've read two articles and now have an <laughs> that's, opinion. That's, that's great so, research. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's it's it's honest research, honestly. Um, and hearing about PK and who he is as kind of a person, I wonder if there are things that from outside the football pitch, not necessarily outside the club, but mm. outside the football pitch, were there some rumblings around there? Do you think any of Barcelona's finances were into play? Do you think uh, PK's career in general in football, not just as a player, do you think that took center stage? Uh, do you think there's more maybe happening outside or any outside influences that might be swaying him to to do this kind of 
uh, move because it seems kind of similar to Messi when Messi had to come out and say that he was not going to play at Barcelona anymore. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Um, I I don't want to say that there's necessarily a scandal. There could be. You know, mm. there's PK's had some run-ins with some interesting stuff off the pitch that caused the the split with Shakira. You know, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, I don't want to snatch at straws, do anything like that. But it's so sudden that you almost have to think there has to be something else going on, right? Mm. Like, it can't just be he's done with football as a player. But, right. that, again, that, that could be what it is, right? It could be that mm. he's just – his body is – just physically can't do it anymore, right? Mm. Yeah. So – I don't know. For his sake, for everything he has done for Barcelona over his career that started in, I believe, 1996 for Barcelona. Um, Then he had four years, I believe, on loan to Manchester United, actually, Andy, of all things. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I do do remember him in my – when I looked through the highlights, I was seeing a very – Smaller, more frail Gerard Piquet next to Rio Ferdinand, or yeah, Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidic, and how they kind of kept him out of the starting lineup that got him to go back to Barcelona, Barcelona. basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, for, for everything that he has done for Barcelona as a player, for all the, the great moments, the, the titles, Mm-hmm. And just seeing him as a staple in the back line, I really hope for his sake there's nothing else going on off the field. And, yeah. you know, hard to say if there is, but – and I wanted to be nice to him, Andy. My wife told me, be nice to PK during your <laughs> podcast. And I'm trying very hard because, in my opinion, it's a little too late. You know, mm-hmm. better late than never, as they say. But it just feels like – He's just kind of steadily gone downhill over the last couple of years. And I feel like the the problem was, though, is that they didn't have a great replacement for him, right? Mm-hmm. And then this year, Ronald Araujo is the shining star in Barcelona's back line. But, you know, then he goes down with an injury. And then you had mm-hmm. Jules Koundé, who also took his spot, Eric Garcia. So he was definitely on the outside looking in. And I, it, it, that could have been the start of him trying to figure out, you know, should I stop? Is this it yeah. for me? Yeah, because it sounds like as he was going further down the pecking order, that was the only reason why he was playing. So it's I can see that as I'm only playing because I'm injured, like because everyone else in front of me is injured. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the moment that you kind of realize, or could even be something that happens in training where all of a sudden something you used to dominate in, all of a sudden like you're finally realizing you can't do what you thought you could do, or you know, like your mind is outpacing the game because your mind's moving faster than your body can move. Yeah. Um, so it could it could be something like that. And it's not out of the ordinary for, I think, Mediterranean teams from Spain, Italy, even France, for people to announce this suddenly. Um, mm-hmm. I remember there was a, or after the World Cup uh, for Italy in Brazil, the manager of the Italian team, uh, after they proceeded through their group but lost their first game and lost an unfortunate game and actually looked like a pretty good team. Uh, they, that manager, uh, I think is, was it Cesari? Yeah, I think it was, his last name was Cesari. He, after that, after that loss, he announced like, yep, yeah, this is a really disappointing loss and I announced my retirement. 
So <laughs> things can just be very, very quick uh, yeah. when there's a realization like that. That's where the passion can come in sometimes. Yeah. So very emotional game against Almeria. PK was crying. Chavi mm-hmm. was crying. You never see Chavi cry, really. Yeah. Everyone on the bench was crying. It was it was emotional. And, yeah. you know, it, I was sad, Andy. I'm not going to lie. Even though I have sat, screamed at my computer when he's been playing this season, last season, seasons past, talked crap about him on this show before. You can go back, find the clips. It's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still sad. And it, it is. Yeah, it just, yeah. What is your favorite PK memory then of a play that he did or what he did to endear you uh, as a as a Barcelona fan? Uh, one of the ones that I've probably watched the most is when PK was up on a corner. I don't even remember who it was against, what team, what the moment was. But all I remember is PK gets the ball. He's got his back to the goal and plays a beautiful back heel into the sprinting run of Lionel Messi, who puts the ball past the keeper. And it's like, was that Gerard PK? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's looking like Neymar or someone else out there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, that's the one that sticks out to me. That's probably the one that I've seen the most. Um, wow. You know, and then that's the good times. And then the bad times, of course, is watching him get torched by Cristiano Ronaldo time and time again. So sure. Yeah. The good with the bad, the good with the bad, yep. just like with anything. Yes. Just with anything. So yeah, it's always, it's always saying when an illustrious career comes to an end because you see this legend, he's a legend of the game. Uh, I am sure in years to come, people, when they start talking about like, oh, who's the greatest center back of the 2010s? He has to get mentioned in there because yeah. three Champions Leagues that he's won, uh, I want to say more than three La Ligas at least. You know, yeah. that's that's dominance. And I know a lot of coaches had said, or coaches and players, when they say that a player is um, indispensable to the team, that yeah. they can't function without him, that was our PK. I don't think yeah. Pep Guardiola is able to play beautiful football without Gerard PK starting from the back. So absolutely got to give him kudos. Yeah. And then we can get into the argument, you know, was he a system center back Andy? Just like, mm. you know, system quarterbacks, right? We kind of sure. had that argument, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the Patriot system, but then Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers mm. and wins the Super Bowl. Not a system right. quarterback, you know, Gerard mm. PK, was he a system center back, right? You know, you play in the great Barcelona system, the great machine that is Barcelona, where basically teams that keep the ball 60, 70% of each, of each game don't have to play much defense, right? But I don't know. I feel like his success, he did it too consistently for too long to call him that, but that could be an argument for another show at another time. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's definitely more to unpack with it. I'm actually, I am pro. Uh, for the record, I'm definitely pro thinking that Gerard Piquet is one of the best because you do have to play a high line in Barcelona style. So he had to have oh, both speed of thought and be able to pass, which that's a lot of demands on a defender during that time where not as much was sometimes asked of defenders. So yeah, any case, definitely- we can definitely get more into it at a, at a later time for sure. Yeah. And for someone who wasn't like the epitome of speed, 
right? Mm-hmm. You don't look at Gerard PK and go, wow, yeah, he's, you know, clocking a 4 2 40. No. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably more like a 5 5. <laughs> I don't know how fast <laughs> Gerard PK runs, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was. I could go on and on about him, Andy. I, I mm-hmm. could. It's it's like when Xavi retired. It's like when Iniesta retired. It's mm-hmm. when, like when Puyol retired. It's going to be like uh, when Sergio Busquets retires, right? Yeah. Uh, and don't even don't even get me started on the day that's coming when Lionel Messi retires. I'm going to cry. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So a very <laughs> emotional game um, against Almeria. Where Barcelona looked okay. Barcelona wins 2-0, had more chances. Honestly, looked like they were playing with their food a little bit, honestly. Almost like a cat playing with a mouse, Mm. trying things a little flashy. Guys trying to do things by themselves a little bit too, too much. Dembele scores that beautiful goal. Um I don't even remember who scored the second one. That's how like little it's stuck it was, in my mind. Andy. I think it was Frankie De Jong. I'm still not bitter oh, that we yes. didn't get him. Yes, thank but... you. Yes, no, that is that is who it was. Ansu Fati got um, a ball off Jordi Alba's cross. Jordi Alba played like he was seven years younger. He had a great game, but Fran Torres smashes it right at the keeper, and then it falls to Frankie De Jong, who slots it in the back of the net. So yeah, good two nil win, enough to get the points. Lewandowski shockingly misses a PK, but, you know, three points when Barcelona needs three points. And on an emotional day where football probably wasn't the centermost thing on everyone's mind. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, We're we're somber over here in Albuquerque, Andy. It's, yeah. it's sad. It sounds like, it sounds like a very bittersweet time of kind of the passing of the torch, which is just, just hard to see when you, hard to see your heroes go, go away. Um, just because like, because of time, because of other, other situations. So many, many condolences, commiserations, uh, with you as you go through this, this tough time, Paul. Thank you. It's kind of, it does feel like a loss. It does feel like a loss. Yeah. It's like I lost a loved one, but it, it was just a player on a team that I love. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then coming up this week, Barcelona has Osasuna. I believe it's Tuesday. Um, gotta get three more points. Gotta be in touch with Real Madrid before going on the international break for the World Cup. So yeah. we'll, my eyes will be glued to that one. Barcelona have been looking okay recently. It's Barcelona just has to get healthy, Andy. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And, you know, the majority of Barcelona's players were injured already, so the, they'll be able to get a lot of those players back by the end of the international break, which will be good, which will be good. Yeah. Ready to hit the ground running for um, La Liga play and – Europa League play so yes that will be that will be very good speaking of Europa League play uh <laughs> United is real one of your one of La Liga's uh probably maybe one of Barcelona's nemeses uh in Real Sociedad uh in the in the Europa League uh we had to take them Paul we had to win by two goals in order to get a bye and to not have to potentially face Barcelona in a draw uh, we won our game 1-0, but that was one goal less than what we needed to do. Uh, so kind of won the battle a bit, but lost the overall war. Um, definitely feeling a little bit little bit miffed um, of just how it came down because against Real Sociedad in the first game, uh, I remember that United got a very uh, unlucky 
really, really unlucky call against them on Lissandro Martinez uh, for a handball that I don't think any other ref would have given a handball for, uh, given how... What? what? It was a handball. <laughs> it was not a handball. It was, oh, my yes, God, no. He was... Oh, man. Don't get me started, Paul. Because as Lissandro Martinez is going towards the ball to block it with his feet... He is putting his hands away and making a very obvious to the ref that he is not trying to make a play with his hands. The ball ricochets off his, it ricochets off Lissandro Martinez's knee and then heads to his elbow. How is he supposed to get his elbow out of the way in .001 seconds? It's true, but why was his arm away from his body, Andy? It wasn't. It was tucked behind him as he was sliding. His elbows have to go somewhere. He's not a robot that can just shrink in his hands so that he can't do it. He's not going to put his arms into his arm sleeve of his jersey to be like, oh, no, look at me. I'm a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't have hands. He doesn't have time to do that. I'm just I like stirring the pot with you. You know it. <laughs> you, 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 you hit it well there. You hit it well. Well played, Paul. Uh, um, so yeah, but in any case, not the, not the end of the world. Um, a little bit st- then ended up for a more rough week with United, uh, with Aston Villa. Uh, we lost 3-1, uh, to a team coached by newly appointed manager Unai Emery. Uh, Unai Emery has had a history of going up against United and smacking our butts. Uh, he's done it with when he was manager at Arsenal. He has done it when he was at uh, Villarreal, uh, where he beat our team 11-10 to 10 on penalties uh, to win the Europa League when Ali Gunnar Solskjaer was uh, manager. Yeah, that that hurt. That still hurts. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, um, so Unai Emery knows how to get a, get a win against United, and he... His team came out of the gate in the first 10 minutes, and we were not ready. We were kind of stunned. Whether we're out of gas, uh, whether we're still having a little bit of malaise of having won against Real Sociedad and still that not being enough, I, I'm not exactly sure. But as with any team, ups and downs are going to happen, and sometimes a streak, streak misses. You don't come to play one game, and I think that's what happened with United. They didn't come to play in the first 10 minutes, and... They went up against Estevilla's side that was very much ready to play. So they they knocked us good, good and out. Yeah, I the Premier League to me, Andy, is just so it's so up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like Liga Un is almost always PSG and one or two other teams, right? Yeah. La Liga's pretty much always Barcelona, Real Madrid. And in some years, Atletico Madrid, right? Hmm. I just feel like the Premier League, I'm not going to say it's the best league in the world because I'm partial to La Liga, obviously. But hmm. I feel like it has the most upsets, for lack oh, sure. of a better term. I just feel like on any given week, any team can beat some of the top clubs. Yeah. And I don't and- know, I can't figure it out. Like I can't figure out why. Yeah, I I definitely think it's I think it's the amount of money that's in the Premier League. How much money is going into the Premier League now, um, and how that 
revenue sharing that happens within the TV rights deals makes clubs that are mid-table worth similar to other high-named clubs in other places in Europe. Like I would, I'd be curious to see like what the value of Aston Villa is compared to, let's say, Real Sociedad. Uh, Real Sociedad, who's a fourth, like top four team consistently in Spain, or mm-hmm. like Olympic Lyonnais or Olympic uh, Marseille, who are historic mm-hmm. clubs in France, but they don't have the commercial pull. So yeah. I think that money has allowed the Premier League to get better managers like Unai Emery uh, into the Premier League and then have better players to come uh, over there as well. So it just means everywhere across the board, if you're not playing a hundred percent, you're going to get going to get smacked. So yeah, that would be that fair. would be my answer to that question. Uh, okay, but <laughs> good answer. Just just my opinion. I don't know if you have a yeah. different one. No, like I said, I've I've tried to rack my my brain, try to figure out what the answer is to that. Uh, I like your answer. Let's let's go with it. It's um, going back that's to Real one, that's one win. That's one win in our uh, <laughs> in the week against uh, <laughs> in a crazy week against uh, United. But go on. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you, or not necessarily ask you, but just comment. I Real Sociedad. I think in La Liga is just kind of they're they're all right, right? They're going to beat a few teams that they shouldn't beat, and they might lose to a few teams that they shouldn't lose to. But for some reason, in like last year and this year in the Europa League, they've looked like shining stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they they're a good team. Like they're they're a tough team to play against. Uh, they have a very unique identity, and they will always play in that unique identity, even if practicality doesn't make sense. So, for example, against United, they were very attacking. They weren't trying to sit back and defend. They very much wanted to attack us. And a lot of the times the commenters were saying, you wouldn't think that Real Sociedad was trying to um, trying to get a win or anything in, in this, or trying to play defensively to hold on to something in this game. They looked like they were right. the more aggressive team, looking like they were fighting for something when they yeah. didn't have to do anything. So yeah, they're, yeah, but they they definitely looked like it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So All right. yeah, definitely definitely crazy crazy week with United. Hopefully, we can just re realign, refocus, and go up against Fulham next week uh, to end our first half of our season uh, on a high note. Yeah. Well, Andy, the the time has come for this question. I've wanted to ask it for a while. <laughs> I've been dreading it, but it happened. <laughs> is Manchester United better without Ronaldo? And a part B to that question, is Ronaldo heading for retirement? Mm, that's Those are two very loaded questions, Paul. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite kind of question. I would say, hey, it's always, always jam-packed. Um, yes. Does Ronaldo make United better at this? I think if he said last season... I would say you could make an argument because he brings goals. Any person who brings goals into your team is making the team better. Yeah. (laughs) That could be an argument for last year. This year, he is not making the team better whatsoever Um, because even by his standards, he is not meeting his own standards. You can see it in the frustration he has for everything uh, and what he does, whether he's trying to tackle Tyrone Mings uh, in the box (laughs) or like launch a ball after he 
um, gets it ruled off for him being offsides. So yeah. he is, I think he knows he's not up to his standards. Um, does that mean he tries to pull a PK and just admits heading out for retirement? No, I don't think so. Um, knowing, knowing Ronaldo, I think he's not going to leave until Messi leaves Fair. Uh, or if he, or if Ronaldo gets the, uh, goal tallies that he wants to get. Um, I yeah. think he's two away from getting 500, uh, club goals, um, which I think he would like to get to be in that upper echelon of mm-hmm. United legends. Um, but right now I don't see how he should be playing given, you know, the output that he's given and what he kind of does for the team as a, as a whole. So yeah. that'd be, that's the, the short answer I can give you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could talk about Ronaldo for an entire show for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think, is it done after this season or you know, do you think he's going to try to stick it out for a couple more seasons? Does he go back to his boyhood club in Portugal and mm. try to play a season there? Like, what do you what do you think is in Ronaldo's future? You know, what I'm going is based off of the uh, really great series Yo Soy Georgina or I Am Georgina on Netflix that looks at Georgina, uh, who is Re- Cristiano Ronaldo's partner, and in this. In this series, you get to see little glimpses of Ronaldo, but Ronaldo is very courteous and lets uh, Georgina take the take the spotlight for her own show. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and in that, it seemed one thing I gleaned from Ronaldo that I didn't necessarily appreciate as much is how much he really does enjoy being in Portugal, and mm-hmm. because there's a one mention where he gets away from Juventus and just goes to Portugal with him. Uh, his partner Georgina and his kids, and he says like he feels really at home. I think he does try to go to Sporting Lisbon. I think he goes earlier. I think he goes in January because it's just not working out for him and him at United. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be better to transition. There's no better way than just going back to your boyhood club and trying to trying to win something there. I think people would absolutely take him, and I think he would probably perform better to be honest. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, pressure's off a little bit there. It's almost like a like a farewell tour, like a like mm. a Derek Jeter's last season at the Yankees, like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, his right. last season with the Lakers, right? Where, mm. yeah, they're gonna compete their butts off and try to win as much as they can, but how much of it is that, and how much of it is a celebratory reunion farewell tour, right? Right. So right. Yeah, because def- I think it's. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, he definitely doesn't need the money for it, but I think knowing him and how much he really does care about and love Portugal, how much he loves his family that's there, I think he would go back into there. I think he would actually take it for less money or whatever because he wants to just play Champions League. Like, I don't think money matters too much to him. He wants yeah. the glory, so he's gonna try to go to a place like Sporting Lisbon where. It's probably easier for him to get that Champions League glory or at least get those goals uh, more yeah. so than anything. Yeah, it's and it's interesting that you say that you think he's going to be gone in January. Like, I don't mm. disagree with you. I'm just a little shocked. You know, yeah. I, it just seems like he would have had more success at Manchester United after joining them before last season. Yeah, it, it would. Um, the whole, and as we probably have 
probably have enough content to get into a whole thing on Ronaldo and Messi and what's what's happened with them. But we will, listeners. <laughs> One day we will. It'll probably be yeah. two or three shows. Let's be honest. But yes, uh, yes, it, it'll definitely be that. Um, yeah, I think just where it was kind of heading. I think you know United as a organization thought that they could capitalize on the commercial success of Ronaldo, so they mm. thought they could try to get something out of him. And Ronaldo, believing in himself, believe he can still help United get to it. Um, so I think United probably lied to Ronaldo in midst of trying to get them to get the cash cow that is Ronaldo. Um, so I think they kind of, I think United as an organization maybe did Ronaldo dirty uh, in that sense. I got you. Well, we'll have to see. I'll, I'm interested to see what happens in the the January transfer window, and I'm sure there's going to there's going to be a ton of news with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to from from Ronaldo to Messi, one one goat to another. Um, yes. PSG this past week, Andy somehow managed to finish second in in their Champions League group on away goals scored, crazy tiebreaker. Uh, but Messi. The big headline: He picks up a a little niggling injury, as the the British announcers like to say. Um, something that looks like not too serious, but a little bit concerning with the World Cup only being two weeks away. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. Just sounds like it's a little a little uh, inflamed Achilles. You know, I, I don't think it'll really affect him. I think he's just being precautionary towards anything injury related because he knows that this is his last world cup. So yeah, that makes, know. that makes sense. And then I have been seeing things around the, uh, around the premier league, around different leagues where people might be sitting out before playing the world cup. So in my potentially Messi could be doing that. I I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think so. And especially cause a lot of Argentina players have been kind of, picking up some of these injuries here and there. I think he's just trying to be overly cautious and I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah. The the world cup right now is the most important thing to him. He doesn't need to be playing games against uh, L'Oreal. So, mm-hmm. you know, they True. stay top of the table. I'm not worried about them. Everything's on the world cup right now. Yeah. Yep. As, as it probably should be, uh, at least for, at least for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Taking a look at other, other notable teams, we're lo- looking back at the Premier League uh, since we brought them up as a perennial place where you can have upsets uh, every week. Um, no upsets for the citizens of uh, Manchester City and Arsenal who are, you know, I have to kind of eat my words now and this is what makes me hate Arsenal even more is that they're still they're still winning. Um, they beat Chelsea, beat them 1-0. Uh, and they're looking like they're going to be be a threat, uh, potentially making it a two-horse race. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, I like two-horse races, Andy. I like I like it when two teams just kind of duke it out all season, and then it comes down to the wire, like Man City and Liverpool in recent years, especially last season. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested. I, as an outsider who doesn't really have a rooting interest other than my love for Pep Guardiola, um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm intrigued. I know it's not great for for your Red Devils, but you know it's fun from an outsider's perspective. Perspective, it that's is. for sure. Oh, definitely, and definitely knowing that Michael Arteta uh, learned a lot of his uh, stuff 
as a manager from Pep Guardiola during their time together at Manchester City makes it an even greater storyline of, you know, the protege and the master uh, kind of narrative. So very, very interesting to see that. And yeah, having competition is, is always great. Just wish it wasn't the two, my two of the, my least favorite teams in the Premier League. But what can you do? That's what, what yeah. sports is all about. Uh, yes, it is. Speaking of other teams, excuse me, we have Newcastle who are climbing the ladder. Uh, they're up to third place now. Uh, they are soaring high with, uh, their swashbuckling brand of football, uh, led by, uh, I think his name is Almiron or Guillermo Almiron. Uh, another Spanish, a Spanish speaker, uh, that is tearing it up, uh, and in the tune. We also have Liverpool who beat a struggling Tottenham to, uh, really add more craziness into the top four battle where no one seems to want to take top four. No, <laughs> it's like everyone's trying to avoid being in the Champions League. It's crazy. Mm. They they just don't want all. It seems like they just don't want all the pressure that's happening, uh, or that can happen. They just want to kind of leave it for leave it for others. So yeah, yeah it's races tight races tightening up at the top, but below them it's definitely a bit of a bit of a dip and more inconsistency. So yeah. we have one more week, and then we'll see what happens uh, once people are coming back from a tiring World Cup. We'll see who has the squad to propel forward we could see you know some more smaller teams like Aston Villa and Newcastle move their way up yeah that's the that's the exciting part absolutely absolutely yep it's like that mid-major in basketball making a run in March Madness or like a Cincinnati in in college football making a run at the playoff like it's it's the Mm -hmm. stuff you like to see right so absolutely I think it makes it yes definitely makes the the sport better uh, overall for sure um so we're nearing the end of our podcast, so as we as we go for the close, uh, Paul, who is your super sub of the week? Well, Andy, it's it's with a sad heart that I say Andreas Christensen coming on late in the eighties, I believe, it was eighty seventh minute for Gerard Piquet mm-hmm. as he leaves final game for Barcelona. Uh, yeah, sad. And it, it, what's funny, Andy, is I wasn't even that sad when I was watching the the game or the highlights of the game. It's and now that we're talking about it, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was it was great to see Gerard Piquet come off and give a very friendly warm embrace to to Christensen and give a warm embrace to everyone on the mm. bench as well. Yeah. So he's the super sub of the week. He didn't and Andreas Christensen didn't do anything noteworthy other than <laughs> to say farewell as the sub for Gerard Piquet in his last game for Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Like we've said before, it's very, it's very heart tingling to see like that legend to then have to have to come off for like that last time, you knowing he's not going to be able to perform and it's not going to have uh new memories on that field that he's going to influence. So having that, it's a, it's a tough time. So, yeah. but kudos, I'd say kudos to Andreas Christensen being there in the moment to be a part of that history uh, within the Catalonian club. So that's yeah. something he's, I'm sure he's never going to forget that he was a, a sub for one of the best defenders in at least our recent memory. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Awesome guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us. 
Thank you guys for listening, making us the Gambia of U.S. soccer <laughs> podcasts. Uh, we're trying to find our way up, try to climb our rankings before the World Cup happens. So please give us a follow. Uh, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Music. And we're out on any other uh, venue that you can get your podcasts on. I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And that is all we got for you guys. Bye. Bye.